guys, welcome uh, to the first conversation um, for TicketSwap. Uh, we're discussing the future of ticketing ecosystems today. And we're here with Joost Ane, uh, Jasper Dijkstra, Marcelo Madueño or Madu, and Hans Ober. Uh, Hans, you're the CEO and co-founder of TicketSwap. Can you tell a little bit more about the company? Uh, well, we are 10 years in existence. Uh, we have a platform, TicketSwap is a platform where you can uh, easily sell and buy secondhand tickets. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we do that in a manner where we try to do it fair, safe, and uh, yeah, work with organizers and ticketing companies together. Okay. And Madhu, um, you were a former corporate banker, am I right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, how <laughs> did you make a switch to uh, the entertainment and event industry? Because you're working for the Entourage Group right now as uh, head of pro event production, right? Exactly. Like I started my career in on M&A in JP Morgan. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I think it was 12 years ago, I decided to go to show, show business because I saw the opportunity, I saw the market, and it was developing a lot in Brazil, growing at 50, 70% rate every year. And I saw there were a lot of processes that could be done better. You know, talking about ticketing, you know, the uh, Brazilian market is a very specific one and it's a very tricky one. So like the development of technology throughout the last 10 years made a bunch of difference in how we plan sales and, and how we deal with promoters. And so like this conversation for us is like very, uh, very uh, productive and very, very helpful for our industry in particular. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your introduction. <laughs> thank you for And um, for um, telling us why you made the switch from a really different kind of industry. Then uh, let's the, let's go to Jasper Dijkstra. Hi. Hi, Jasper. You have over 12 years in ticketing, yes. uh, experience in ticketing. Yes, um, thanks for pointing out. I'm getting old. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you started at an early age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but currently you're self-employed, but you're starting uh, a new job at November 1st. Am I right? Yes, correct. Yes. So uh, a little over 12 years ago, I started at TicketScript, mm. uh, which people from the Netherlands uh, probably know. Yeah. We then uh, more or less disrupted the online ticketing industry by uh, attacking Ticketmaster, basically, um, which was great fun. Uh, I think uh, at 2012, something like that, we introduced mobile ticketing at scale, so we were amongst the first to actually do that. Mm. Uh, and then after that, uh, the adventure took me uh, in different places, but amongst those were Eventbrite, CM.com, and recently Secutix. Yeah. All right, thank you. Uh, Joost, you're the founder and CEO of Eventix. Yeah. Um, sounds like you and Jasper are competing. Um, well, uh, maybe in a way uh, <laughs> we are or we were. Um, I don't know. I think currently we there's, not, there's not a lot of competition. Mm. Um, and also when, when well, Jasper left uh, uh, TicketScript, I think we with Eventix kind of picked up uh, where TicketScript uh, left the market. Yeah. Well, can you... Can you um, Elaborate for the people who are listening what the difference is between the, uh, the current position that Jasper has and and, and ours. Yeah. Um, well. Well, be uh, between between the uh, companies Eventix and Ticket Counter. Yeah. So the 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 main difference is that Eventix focuses on more of a live entertainment industry, where Ticket Counter well focuses on Jasper. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, uh, day recreation, we like to call it. So mm -hmm. it's everything from zoos, musea, and amusement parks. Yeah. Mm. So it's also tickets, but it's a completely different vertical. 
All right. Uh, and Joost, what made you decide to go work in this uh, or be an entrepreneur in this specific field in the event industry? Um, well, it wasn't uh, that much of a conscious decision. Um, it was very much uh, a project that uh, started out um, well, also seven years ago, and that kind of uh, dragged us along to, mm -hmm. uh, to where we are now. Mm -hmm. All right. Are you happy where you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, Hans, I know that you started Ticket uh, Swap where you were still in university. Mm -hmm. um, were, you, were you trying to solve a problem as a visitor or as a customer? Yeah, as a student, I usually bought a few tickets because you were not in live contact with your friends all the time. So at a certain point, uh, yeah, you end up with tickets left because other, the other friends also bought tickets or you have no money or whatever, and then you decide to sell your tickets. And yeah, that was not... It was a mess. It was on Facebook event pages. Uh, people were scammed all the time. Prices rose way too high. So at a certain point, I thought, yeah, why isn't there something to facilitate safe yeah, resale? Then I yeah, looked on, online and searched for tools to do this. And there was not really anything except yeah, these websites where you don't want to go to buy or sell tickets. So I thought, this is not where I want to be associated with. Uh, and then I... Yeah, drafted a plan, found two uh, partners to build it with because I'm not an engineer. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so you were looking, you, you found engineers to actually build the software? Yeah, the, the whole platform. So we built everything in house uh, yeah, with my two partners. So that was uh, for us also a really easy way to start without any capital or made it uh, yeah, very light to uh, yeah, get off the start line. Yeah, now we're here 10 years later. Yes, so yeah, it's a big change since then. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Madhu, um, you don't work in the specific field of ticketing. Um, what is the current what, what is the current biggest challenge uh, within ticketing from your point of view? Well, the, the secondhand sales have always been a huge challenge. Yeah, because of safety. Yeah, mostly because, yeah, safety. And you think about like a social context in a huge city like Sao Paulo. So you have 20 million people, they want to buy a ticket and you have other cities around it. So 10 years ago, you know, our reality was to have 150 promoters printing out yeah. all the tickets and give them, giving them uh, and on their hands and then selling, you know, like early birds. and. Uh, after changing early bird to, to the first year, you would have to have these 150 people come to the office and like give you the, the old ticket and get the new ticket. And, you know, like reprinting a ticket was something really easy to do. Mm -hmm. So when you got yeah. to the door, you have this amount, like this ocean of tickets, they were fake. And they also invented, reinvented themselves, you know, like the, the piracy industry. So they were able to print, you know, holographic uh, parts, and yeah. like like the counter lights, yeah. UV. Stuff. Same for money. Exactly. Yeah. And like throughout the years, we were really close, <coughs> really partners with the ticketing companies, and we we took our local ticketing companies to places that they weren't before, because since we have like a local reach, we would say no, we are using you guys because you're 100 percent online, to like very small cities that people are not used to go online and buying their tickets. They usually go to the ice cream store and they have the ticket there. So mm -hmm. that's 
how they buy it because they don't want to pay a convenience fee. So like uh, this was 2012, 2014. Nowadays, people are a lot more used to it. But still, you know, like the main challenge is the secondhand tickets because most of the ticketing companies, they have like the issue like a PDF for your tickets. Yeah. And you don't have where to put it in the, like in a safe place that you can exchange it. Mm-hmm. And like the original one, it's uh, is erased. Mm-hmm. So these guys, again, they get one ticket, they print out like a hundred copies. And when we are at the events, we have to invest a lot of money in security and in police monitoring because these guys they keep, say, keep saying like, buy and sell tickets, buy and sell tickets. And it's, uh, it's look, it looks like you're in a market. Uh, in the city market, someone's selling you fruit, but it's hundreds of tickets. Yeah. And we still get it at the door, uh, at the turnstiles. Like, no, but I, but I bought this ticket from this guy. He was right in front of us. So the communication process is really tough. Mm-hmm. We had to tell everyone via email, via the promoters, on the Instagram posts, like only buy the tickets through the official official networks. If it's a promoter, the promoter is going to sell via the app. Yeah. So like uh, people are used to buying the physical tickets yet. Thank you, Madhu. Um, and do you also think it's it's hard for people to make a transition from physical uh, tickets to like using an app? It is like it was in the beginning just because you had to pay for commission. Yeah. And when you went, like you live in the countryside, you don't want to pay for commission because a lot of people don't really understand what is the convenience. Mm-hmm. It's not convenient mm-hmm. to, to pay the fee because you're already there on the internet. Yeah. Nobody's bringing you the ticket. No. Yeah, so, it's, so it's more expensive actually to buy a physical ticket, you'd say, right? So yeah. it's a little bit strange that the convenience fee is only online. It is for us, yeah. for the organizers. I, yeah, because yeah. they don't sell with a convenience fee, but we have to pay them a commission. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, it's five to ten percent more expensive. Yeah. Do you think it, it would be more easier if the convenience fee is already calculated within the ticket price? Sometimes we do it, uh, but it's not a standard for the market. So sometimes, if you're comparing some events that they are competitors, let's say, and one of them it's already uh, has already the convenience fee built in, mm-hmm. it looks like it's more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. As just, you know, the, the first view. Yeah. Yeah, that was also changed in Europe uh, a few years yeah. ago. It's all now all prices are including everything. And you should see the price that you can uh, that you have to pay to actually get the ticket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is the standard that you know our partners from Time Warp usually told us. Like th- this is how we do it. This is easier for the uh. client to see mm-hmm. the final price. And you know, after the pandemic. Um, a lot of ticketing companies, I mean, I think throughout the world, but in Brazil, of course, like they went bankrupt or if they didn't, they are charging a, uh, a small fee on top of everything. So it, it's not really common, I think, in, in, in Europe for you to do installments mm-hmm. to buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. And in Brazil, you can do it sometimes up to 12 times. Wow. Uh, and uh, there's a lot, there's fees incurring <laughs> every month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we as organizers, we don't get it as installments. We get the money straight straight away. So there's a lot of cash flow from these companies that needs to be up upfront for us just to you know keep the machine going. But there's also a lot of default. So sometimes these people buy the tickets, buy installments, they go to the events, and they stop paying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and then it's already over. Like, yeah. uh, how can you like return the service? <laughs> and the ticketer <laughs> takes the risk in in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 100%. that's why they go bankrupt in the. Yeah, the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have you know like a ten percent risk. Um, uh, like, yeah, like uh, a surcharge. Withhold. Yeah, a surcharge. <clears throat> yeah, but after the event, they they yeah. already release you. But sometimes their people are still paying. Yeah. Well. Do you guys recognize the challenges that Madhu was talking about? Not really. I think <clears throat> the market in Europe is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, we actually never do installments with Eventix, so everything's paid in advance uh, in full. Um, we've, we also do a little bit of business in uh, um, Central and South America, um, and we get the question often whether we can do installments. We've, we've done it before, but then the bank takes the risk uh, actually, so and they do the the processing. So it's installments on credit card, um, which yeah. I mean, in that case, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's really a, a geographical as well, right? So maybe in Brazil, I wouldn't know. I've never done business there, but uh, you could also have different ticketers ticketing one event, right? In the Netherlands, at least, and uh, quite close, it's you have exclusivity, right? So it's just mm -hmm. one ticketer that sells your ticket. So that's maybe different. Then the installment bits, uh, yeah, yeah, that's just a, a payment scheme, which you can do or not. I, I, you know. Yeah, and often this is provided by the PSP instead of the ticket exactly. company. Yeah. yeah. What, what yeah. is PSP for the people? The payment who are service provider. So Klarna is a famous one for yeah. doing yeah. this uh, yeah. as a business model. Yeah. I think the the others also do this now. Yeah. Um, and then, sorry, coming back to your original question, so what's what's the challenge, right? I think it's still, it's 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 bonkers that there's still so many e-tickets in the market. Mm -hmm. right? So an e-ticket, yeah. it, it, it's the word electronic ticket, but it's still a very static thing. Yeah. So as long as it keeps being static, there will be an opening for fraud, loss of data, whatever have you, right? So um, I think that's the, the core of everything that we are trying to solve here. So I know Eventix does, I know obviously TicketSwap does this. Yeah. Right? So to make this a lot more dynamic and mm -hmm. more personal. So you eliminate all these, uh, these, these front uh, things. But again, you know, I think, uh, I think e tickets should, uh, should die. But the funny thing is, when we started <laughs> 10 years ago, I think we kind of yeah, made some risk assessments. And the first thing we said, okay, if tickets start to live, in an e app ecosystem from an organizer or whoever creates this app and yeah has its own ecosystem, that would be a, either a big risk or a big opportunity if mm -hmm. we are the ones where you can do the resale, allow, uh, allowing the access for us for tickets up into that app ecosystem. Ooh, what was the risk? Uh, yeah, if you have if there's an ecosystem where tickets don't come out of an app and. Yeah, normally you have a barcode that you can make a screenshot of, and now you have ro moving barcodes, rotating barcodes, or uh, I think eventually it will move to NFC of your phone. What so is an NFC? I don't know the translation. <laughs> but it's like, it's like a token, right? It's the, the, the like Apple Pay uh, that communicates, like not Apple Pay, but at least... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a near-field communication. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, because <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, so this is what your pin card uh, was your. Yeah. your yeah. Oh, so is, is it like the the, the chip that's the in chip your... that communicates with oh, yeah. uh, a computer without actually touching it? Yes. Yeah, so All I right. guess the challenge is more to link someone's access rights to their identity. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and and NFC is a nice way you can imagine. For example, your passport or your ID card becomes your ticket mm -hmm. because it has an NFC chip, yeah. or your phone has an NFC chip, and you use. This this item that's 
tied to your personal identity, you use that for, for access. And yeah. um, well, something that TicketSwap does uh, uh, really well is um, being able to transfer that right of access to someone else's identity. Mm-hmm. Without like, um, how do you say it? Without like privacy violations or? I think that's something that we have to um, like maintain this security around privacy. Yeah, that's our responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. How many tickets can a person buy in the platform? Is it uh, limited by your ID number? How does it work? It, it depends on, on on the organizer or our uh, uh, client. Mm-hmm. Um, they can determine how many tickets they, they want to limit uh, uh, to an order. Okay. Um, Hans, what will ticketing look like in the next two years? Uh, yeah, I think there will be a big transition from like what Jasper already mentioned, uh, just sending PDFs around. You see, uh, yeah, digital forms of tickets, so moving barcodes, etc. In app ticketing ecosystems, coming up more and more and more. Uh, yeah, we are fully anticipated uh, on that. So I'm also expecting that the partners uh, that are only fantics or other, with other uh, ticketing partners we have that we can switch them to uh, yeah, the, the closed ecosystem we can offer together with, with the ticketing provider they use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tickets are not yeah, flying around anymore. It's just within a controlled ecosystem, which also allows organizers to and understand much better who is also selling these tickets, who, who buys these tickets, who are these people, how can we adjust our marketing on that as well? And for, yeah, I think, Another thing is it also allows organizers to have much more control uh, over over people who buy tickets on purpose to sell to sell them with a, with a profit. And usually they wouldn't do that too much on ticket sell because we kept the prices. Mm-hmm. But it would be it would happen elsewhere. But if you close that off, then it's also a huge blow, I think, to the yeah to the professional uh, ticket touting market. Do you agree, Jasper? Totally, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think you know, the disclosed bit is the most important part. Mm-hmm. There's different ways to solve this. I think what Hans just alluded to is it definitely makes sense. Um, you know, without uh, wanting to start the bullshit bingo here, but <laughs> everything around uh, blockchain is 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 ideal for this as well, of course, right? So the, the 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 beauty of a blockchain is that everything is known. Each step in the process is known. So. Uh, with that, you would eliminate uh, uh, ticket scalping, fraud, whatever have you, because each step is possible. And if you take that even one step further and thinking about smart contracts and whatever have you, then the, the eventually the, the, the parties that actually take the risk for putting on the events can stay in control of the complete cycle. Then you could still include ticket swap or whatever partners you want to have, but it's about the organizer that takes the risk who also gets to make the decisions mm-hmm. about what happens with those tickets. Mm-hmm. How much it can get resold? For how much? How do we divide the revenue uh, that comes from that? So I think maybe not two years. I'm hoping two years, but that that becomes much more reality. Mm-hmm. So like more in five years, or? Yeah, yeah, probably. You know, you know, one thing, at least from my experience, that the event industry is, you know, we're always at the forefront of, of, of making new shows and making this really, really, really entertaining. But are we really, really innovative? I don't think so, if I'm being honest. If you look at the major sport clubs or 
which actually hold events as well. It's just a game, right? Mm. Match, but it's an event. Yeah. And if you look how they approach ticketing, that's that's miles ahead of event ticketing. And what's the difference? I've, well, uh, they, they let technology in, I think, a lot more than uh, we maybe do at event uh, at events. And it's not, you know, it's not anyone's uh, fault, obviously, or whatever. But it's just it's also related to budget, I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. So margins at events are so so super small and it's such such high risk and for some reason we got into this belief that selling a ticket should just do that right selling a ticket at the lowest possible price mm -hmm. i don't think that's that's something that will help and spur no. innovation of course no that's that's quantity over quality right exactly yeah exactly so that's really something that you know i call on to all event organizers to try and look at this differently and f start thinking about how you do ways you can innovate and actually, if it's about the money, make a lot more money. Yeah. And and then and then look at, uh, for example, as close as, uh, as here, the football club uh, Ajax, that they are using blockchain technology for the last two years in a closed loop system, which everybody said, well, there's people here that, that are 70 or there's people from the fanatical side that will never, never go into an app. They all did it yeah. for the last two years. Two million tickets were sold over the blockchain. Everything is registered. It's already there. So if there are event organizers are there that say, well, my audience would never do it, I, I, will, I will dare to challenge them on that. Okay. Um, thank you, Joost. Um, do you think that the ticketing industry is doing everything they can to increase safety for fans? Um, well, uh, as an industry as a whole, uh, no, I don't think so. I think there's uh, still... Uh, ticketing companies making money of, of resale and making money of um, uh, like the, the the fear of fraud, to so to say. Um, so I think like it, it, as long as there's money involved and there's money being made on 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 that, then um, well they're not really incentivized to do everything they can. I know there's some ticketers that uh, uh, are are working on. Um, yeah, like mitigating the risk of, of fraud, absolutely. But it's 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 uh, some key players. Not everyone is uh, is involved in that. You agree, with John? Yeah. I I say Jasper, but it's obviously it's, it's Jasper. <laughs> but yeah, do you agree? You could call me Hank. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fine. We're doing everything in English today, but we're <laughs> we're we're with. Uh, One uh, man from Brazil and three yeah. people from uh, from the Netherlands. So if you hear some steenkool English, <laughs> charcoal English, <laughs> charcoal English, <laughs> and that's the reason why. Yeah. Um, but you do you agree? No, I definitely agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Madhu, what what is the the organization that you work for Entourage currently doing to optimize safety for fans? Well, the, the, one of the first things that we did uh, throughout the years was like we, we didn't have any more physical tickets for yeah. a while because uh, we thought if there's no ticketing company that can provide this type of safety for us or for our customers, we're not going to sell it. Mm -hmm. So like we waited mm -hmm. <laughs> and the solution came. So uh, like we're working close to TicketSwap right now. We're, we still see some issues with... Uh, how the consumer behaves. So uh, in every post that we do on Instagram, we have like some people trying to buy or sell, buy or sell. So we have like a, uh, we have a team inside 
uh, that takes care of that. So like we see a person trying to sell a ticket, we go and talk to them uh, privately. I have, do you know about ticket swap? Your ticket can be sold there. Mm. So this is how it works. Yeah. Uh, and we have like a hundred thousand people in our mailing list. So uh, guys, this is ticket swap. This is how it works. Like this is the process for you to uploading a ticket and selling it, it again. And it's how do still, they respond? Uh, people are learning, but it's it's <laughs> a long it's a long way to learn. And yeah. you see that people that are very smart, yeah, they're like the the, the, the t top of the pyramid. They still find it difficult to understand that you can sell in the secondary market. Yeah. But we were talking about, you were saying about blockchain. So we have two companies that are uh, trying to work with this. They're more of a investment banking type of corporations, but they want to sponsor our events and they want to talk about cryptocurrencies. They want to talk about blockchain. And then I tell the guys, man, this is going to take a while because we're trying to explain how to buy a ticket yeah. secondhand. And like, if you want to explain how uh, like a non-fungible token works, mm. it's going to take even longer. Um, but in a way, you know, this is how we do it. Uh, it's very simple, but uh, we, we avoid all types of uh, piracy, uh, you know, via communication, via ambassadors. Uh, our brands are mostly related to big artists. So the, the biggest one, Sotrek Boa, has vintage culture as the, the, the top guy and has a legion of fans. So having a legion of fans, we had uh, like, I think Europe is called Social Ladder or something like that. We, we had it like a similar one in Brazil uh, in like a thousand ambassadors. Every time that we needed to, you know, spread some information about something, it's just like dropping the information to these people and they're gonna share to yeah. everybody. So it's like putting a good message through and, and betting that it's gonna, it's gonna work. It worked. If I look back six, seven years with the physical ticket to the online ticket. So it's gonna work. And I'm not sure <clears throat> how, this is gonna become outside of the big metropolitan areas mm -hmm. because there is, yeah, we always say country. that there's a Brazil <laughs> that people will know if you go to Sao Paulo, if you go to Rio, yeah. but there's the Brazil of the countryside where people still wanna go to the ice cream shop and buy the tickets. Yeah, because I wanted to know how, how, is, um, how is digital payment in Brazil? Because mm -hmm. I think in South America, it's, it's, the people are more used to just still pay with cash, right? Uh, in South America, excluding Brazil, yes. Brazil oh. has the, one of the most advanced um, digital payment systems in the world mm. uh, because of safety. So people were kind of scared of uh, carrying a lot of cash. Yeah. Uh, so the financial markets kind of adapt. So yeah. I think the last, for example, for me, the last time that I withdrew cash, it's been some months. Mm. Everyone pays with NFC or we have PIX which is a technology that you can pay from a bank to whatever bank in Brazil, 24-7 through the weekends in instantaneously. Yeah. This is something that the central bank uh, developed. It's like crypto, right? If you, it's like crypto, yeah. but like throughout bank accounts. And we have now this thing called open banking mm -hmm. that some people, when they wanted to like dodge the financial system, like do some um, nasty things in one account mm -hmm. and then close the account and go to, to, to the other, now they're all connected. Yeah. So if you want to open a new bank account, this bank is connected through uh, all the networks. So it sees 
everything that you did in your history mm -hmm. of having a bank, bank account. So now, you know, for, for safety, it's better because when it comes to credit analysis, now they know that if you want to pay by installments, if you are, you know, owing 10,000 euros for someone else, but this bank didn't know because it was something completely a part of it, now they know everything. Okay. Thank you for your explanation. Cool. Um, Hans? I would like to know what are the innovations that TicketSwap uh, is working on for uh, the upcoming years? Uh, yeah, first of all, of course, especially in this forum, uh, making sure we are on the top end of the development side of things to make sure we can bring innovation with our ticketing partners, with our organiza uh, organization and promoter partners to make sure we have these closed ecosystems we can, uh, yeah, we can facilitate all the safe and easy resale in a way that's controlled by the organizers as well. Is there something specific that you're working on? That um, you can share with us, maybe. I think, I think in general, uh, we are moving towards becoming more of a platform for discovery for fans to go to as well. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, yeah, all kinds of pieces to the puzzle that have to come together in the next few years. Yeah. So it's more. Um, it's it's also going to be a platform for people um, who haven't decided yet what yeah, so events this, to attend. To discover what is going on this yeah. weekend or next weekend. Yeah. We include a lot of uh, primary ticketing APIs. So there's a big chance that if you are looking for a ticket, we have uh, yeah offering for second-hand and primary tickets. We make clear what is what, which also is sometimes a bit... Uh, yeah, hidden. Mm. But we uh, try. We make that super clear and make and let the fans make the decision to buy uh, what ticket. Mm. And, and, and do the ticketing boys um, also notice <laughs> that there's a switch um, between people going to a lot of events and people going to like lesser events but uh, higher quality events or events that uh, last longer, such as festivals, or? Um, yeah, I think things are always moving and it's really difficult to, to determine uh, in what direction. Um, obviously, we had a really strange period with, with COVID behind us, which like closed down the market for, for about two years. Mm -hmm. and, and now we're uh, definitely seeing different trends than we were seeing in 2019. What, what, what is a different trend that you're seeing right well, now? Well, um, there's different music genres that are that are popular. There's events that used to sell out within minutes that, that don't actually sell out anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's um, really difficult to pinpoint the uh, um, the reasoning behind what's what, what in which way it's changing yeah. um, but uh, 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 well it really makes clear that things are moving around um, obviously these in these two years people got older so if you'd have like a, a, um, a relatively old visitor base uh, you you would have lost a lot of your uh, attendees mm -hmm. yeah I think that's super interesting by the way because you know in these two years of COVID roughly two years there's this whole mini generation that typically would go to their first event and then maybe yeah. you know join their brother or their friend or whatever right yeah. and that's that's it's it stopped for two years yeah it's actually so, three years in between yeah. most events yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah. so it's even it's even longer yeah. indeed so these people that now visit events for the first time tend to choose different type of events mm -hmm. what I actually yeah. what you just just said so I think that's one trend <coughs> and 
promoters need to basically reinvent themselves because obviously there's very big brands you know out there that will that will always be okay ish. Uh, but Joost just uh, just said they are sometimes struggling to get these uh, tickets sold. So so that's one. And I think the other big part as that we see right now is people are uh, what's the word? Uh, they're buying their tickets later and later and later. Right? Mm. So before you might have bought your tickets for I'm three four weeks in events or when yeah. an event went on sale. Now you see it's a lot closer to the event because mm. people don't know what's going to happen. And, yeah. Uh, I also like see, what I also see from our users, and that's of course a specific group, uh, the tickets for buyers mm. and sellers. But you see that people tend to use their t- see their ticket more as a standing reservation yeah. that they can easily get yeah. rid of. Yeah. Is that that's something you see some tickets being resold and resold and resold over and over again, mm-hmm. uh, and that just kind of proves that people just have they sitting in a, at the table, friends are going oh I'm buying a ticket as well, and then they check their calendar and find out oh I cannot go or yeah, yeah know, this, that, that happens a lot and I think the younger generation. The younger they get, the more they tend to look at the tickets like a reservation they can get rid of easily. Yeah. Now, how are you um, innovating within the industry? Myself or? Well, no. well yeah, well, maybe yeah. as a self-employed man right now, but. Yeah, yeah, no, no, don't worry. No, yeah, I think that there's a few things there. One, that, uh, you know, I apologize for sounding like a broken record, but I think everything around mobile ticketing and really leveraging this uh, this technology is super important, and I think everybody should do it. Yeah. Um, and at the other hand, I think really trying to get yeah. There's this notion or mention of distributed commerce, and actually this is actually what TicketSwap also does, and now Eventix does it as well. But it's basically going where your buyers are. So if they don't necessarily want to visit this website, then you know. Don't do it if you're on uh, whatever socials or whatever. If, if TicketSwap is your go-to platform, fine, right? Yeah. But I think ticketers in general should be a little bit more open to that and trying to, again, you know, distribute their commerce. So be where their clients are, Yeah. if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I have two more questions left. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to... Focus on anybody uh, in particular. Do do well. People are complex figures. Um, the behavior we cannot always. How uh, you say? I forgot the word. Forspellen. Predict. We cannot always predict. Well, no. Let me rephrase that. We cannot really predict what people are going to do. Um, is there some kind of way we are able in the future to predict even better what? might be possible in customer behavior in ticketing? Hans? <laughs> <laughs> so you start with me with the most difficult question. Now, I think, of course, you see uh, as a ticketing company, as an event, you have you yeah collect more and more details over the behaviors of your fans. And uh, I think with that, you can in the future better predict what kind of tickets uh, people would buy, what kind of prices they would accept. But there's, there are maybe some strange correlations between artists and some festivals that you might not expect. Mm-hmm. For myself, for example, I've been to Adele, but also go to Awakenings. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be a, usually correlation, a huge correlation, but uh, yeah, you do see some friends of mine also like it and also go to Awakenings. So maybe yeah, you maybe can, can find some of... The more of these uh, correlations that help 
yeah, tech to help fans to find uh, of how fa- so help fans to find the tickets they actually really want. Okay, um, Joost, um, I think mistakes making mistakes is a good thing because we we learn from our mistakes. Um, what was what was a mis- Did you make any mistakes in your career, and what was <laughs> the mistake you learned most from? Oh, good question. Yeah, and uh, thanks for that one. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you. There's no here. shame in the mistake game. <laughs> no, I think uh, um, uh, you learn through mistakes, indeed. And if there's, we always say, if you don't make mistakes, you don't make anything at all. Yeah. Uh, it depends on where you make the mistakes, though. So um, there's. There's areas where you can afford mistakes and where you are allowed to experiment. Um, uh, so that's where you should try to learn fast by making a lot of mistakes. And there's also areas where uh, mistakes can be very cost costly. Yeah. Um, in terms of ticketing, that usually means uh, uptime in the shop. Uh, mm-hmm. So any mistake you make that causes the uh, shop to go uh, um, down, meaning it's it's not accessible for ticket buyers all over the world. Um, those are expensive mistakes, yeah. and we try to uh, make as little of those as possible. Yeah, but of course you're still a human, so... Well, it's been a long time ago since, yeah. uh, since yeah, well, we experienced uh, yeah. downtime. You don't want to make these kinds of mistakes. No, so oh. that's that's why we are very careful when uh, um, developing on, on core systems. Um, and outside of core systems, we build what we call modules, mm-hmm. where we are freely allowed to experiment, uh, do cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, always with the side note, this is uh, experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it's like way ahead, and that's why it's cool. It's like but a it's not guaranteed version. to. Ex- well, yeah, it's not guaranteed to work perfectly all the time. Yeah. Josper, do you have? Uh, Anything yeah. to share with us? Uh, yeah, you know, I think mistakes? in general, coming from a ticketing standpoint, then I think um, a lot of um, companies at least I'd work for did this try to be innovative, right? And and are trying to push features that, you know, this is the next big thing, only um, to realize that they didn't really listen to their clients. I think Eventix is another example of doing this the right way. Uh, it's, you know, it's funny because we've been competitors for a long time, and, you know, <laughs> It's business. nice to hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really nice to hear this. We, uh, we might not really like each other personally. It's a different story, mm. I think. But uh, uh, what Eventix does really well is really listen to their to their organizers. And yeah. I think TicketSoft is doing this the right way as well, right? So really stay very close to your clients and understand what they need. Because uh, if you're just building crazy expensive features that might be very relevant for your uh, peace of mind, but nobody is using them, then you know it's a little bit too uh, too expensive development probably. Yeah. So uh, I think if if that's a mistake, yeah, maybe. So you should listen a little bit more to uh, to your end user. Let's uh, let's put it like that. Okay, sounds really important. Um, Madhu, last tiny question because we have to mm. wrap it up. Do you have uh, from your uh, point of view and in your job field uh, any advice for Hans, Joost, mm-hmm. or Jasper? Uh, that that's something that I was actually thinking about. What when we when we talked um, about the future? Uh, so I know the knowledge. There's a, a lot of knowledge within the platform. So something that I always missed on seeing is that put, putting that knowledge into insights for the organizers. As you said, like I might like Adele, but I might like as as uh, as well to go to Awakenings. Uh, we don't see these advices coming to us. 
Uh, and it, this is easily the built, oh, no, I don't know if it's easy to build, but I, <laughs> I know there's a lot of data there uh, for, for the ticketing platforms to say like, uh, this amount of people that go to your event, they also go to these other types of events and they usually pay this average ticket price mm. for the other events. So like this is, this is helpful for you to do your, um, uh, for your pricing and to be connected to other cashless solutions where you know like when people are spending most during the night. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a survey that says that uh, 50% chance, uh, 50 is like throwing a coin, but like it's yeah. 50% chance that uh, the first drink that you're going to take during the night is going to be the same drink that you take throughout the night. And this, uh, this came from Bex, our sponsor, and they understood that throughout the technology of, uh, of cashless. So I think there's still a lot for us to understand, you know, uh, if we start an event early, if we finish early, how is the behavior of consumption? If it's winter, if it's summer, if it's open air or enclosed spaces, I think there, there are a lot of insights and tips that we're still in the dark and, you know, collaborating more with you guys and with uh, these other solutions, cashless mostly, I think we're going to be better prepared to serve our clients. All right. Hans? Yeah, super useful. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's just recorded so we can listen back on uh, <laughs> this. I think, no, I think uh, for me, often it has been a challenge to find the right data needs and the insight needs uh, from our several organizer friends. So I think this is, this is very particular and very helpful. So thank you for that. And, uh, we're going to definitely look at how we can realize yeah, yeah, some of the things because we cannot see the live data. Yeah. I also think it really relates to the ecosystem subject, right? Because we're talking about combining cashless data with the ticketing data, with the marketing spend and getting that information together and then um, making recommendations based on uh, uh, that combined data set. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where, where you are, uh, what you're looking for. Um, as an organizer, and that requires a lot of collaboration between these different um, providers, whether it's mm -hmm. cashless ads or, yeah. or ticketing. All right. Uh, I have to uh, cut you guys off right now because we're, uh, we're over time. But I want to encourage you to continue the conversation <laughs> after the podcast recordings uh, and maybe exchange some more insights about sharing uh, data for, uh, for the customer experience. Um, I want to thank you, Joost, Jasper, Madhu and Hans very much for uh, giving your insights and uh, your tips um, about uh, this uh, specific subject. Um, and I want to wish you... Uh, a very fruitful and successful ADA. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you everybody in the audience. Um, are there any questions from the people in the audience? <laughs> Oscar, <laughs> the talent. So, quick question on the um, because I heard blockchain, <laughs> which is kind of a high magic word these days. Although I believe that like the tokenization of, of ticketing. Is already happening because when you look at the integration between Eventix, for instance, with uh, TicketSwap, uh, you have something called sealed tickets, which basically means that there's no barcode and it's like sealed, so it's within a closed ecosystem, which is already kind of what the objective is of working with blockchain, right? So, do we actually need a blockchain or can we work on 
disclosed ecosystem based on the technology that's already there. Can I react to that? <laughs> of course. Um, uh, I, I think uh, uh, a blockchain is a is a kind of database that works as a ledger system. Um, and the cool thing about a blockchain is that it's public, so it can be shared between different partners that can tap into that. So you have the same information as that I have. Um, but it's not required to make a, a, a ledger of uh, uh, ownership, right? So we register who is the owner of a ticket, and whenever TicketSwap asks us who the owner is, and they tell us that the tickets has been sold, we register a new owner um, on this right of access. So I think blockchain technology is a really cool method of, of or a really cool example of how a ledger system um, works in an open environment, but it's not necessarily required. It's already happening in databases and in collaborations between partners that actually has the same effect and works in a quite similar does that answer your question, Oscar? Yes, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Uh, I want to thank everybody um, for participating in the future of the ticketing ecosystem subject. Um, and have a very pleasant day today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.